0: Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports columnist Scott Osler. During our conversation, we went in depth on James Wiseman's path forward, Steph Curry's historic stretch, Kelly Oubre's future with Golden State, and more. Scott, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. It's been a few weeks. and there's been so much going on in Warriors Land. I've had a hard time uh, just getting to all of it in a timely manner. You know, like you do, you do one big Wiseman story one day, and then you do another a Steph story, and it's just like you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't get to it fast enough. Because um, as I wrote in my mailbag yesterday, a few sage sports writers, you being one of them, have told me over the years that the most interesting teams to cover are 500 teams because uh, because there's just a ton of storylines. There's a ton of moving parts, yet they're still trying to win. Um, And I, I honestly had never had the experience of covering a 500 professional team because the Warriors are my first major pro beat. And my first five years on the Warriors, they were monotonously good. Last season, they were monotonously bad. And then now there's all these moving parts and storylines and and so we have a lot to dig into today um, what just first of all what what has been your thought about how they have played since the news of James Wiseman's injury came out because you know they James as we as we talked about before on the podcast the Warriors were really struggling for really the entire season with Balancing a desire to win now yeah. with developing their young players, particularly James Wiseman, him being the most important young player. Um, but uh, James suffered a season-ending knee injury uh, in, uh, in the April 12th – or sorry, April 10th game against the, the Rockets. And then since then, uh, they've gone 5-1. and one. Best stretch of the season by far. Played really well. Steph's been absolutely incredible. Um, the 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 complementary pieces have stepped up. And even though they lack size, they've been playing their best basketball the season without Wiseman. Do you think there's a, a direct correlation between those two things?
1: Yeah, it's almost, I definitely do. It's almost like there's a weight off their shoulders, you know? It's yeah. almost like, oh, you don't have to worry about, are we going to, not just the coaches and stuff, but the players too. And um, we don't have to worry about, that night to night change and the dynamic and all that stuff. Um, plus we get to play small ball. So it's almost like uh, you know you go in the playground and you're gonna play the, the big tough college guys and you got your dinky team and you're just gonna have fun. You're not gonna worry about it. So they're playing small ball and they they see that it rattles other teams and that's that's become their style now. It's not like they have to switch back and forth. Oh we're gonna play small for a while and then we're gonna have to in and so yeah it's all it's if I was management, I'd be kind of worried. I'd say, "Jesus, our, our top guy, our top draft choice, and he pops out mid-season, and we get a lot better." So, what does that say about us and our draft pick?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, they they already knew that they were better at least this season with without him. If you just look at the plus minus, the on court off court numbers, um, you know, his numbers with Steph were. Pretty bad. Uh it felt it felt like the unfortunate thing about the timing of Wiseman's injury, and there's never good t- there's never a good time to have a season ending season ending injury. But he was just starting to kind of make some strides. It looked like he was starting to get more comfortable, figure things out. It helped a lot that Steve was changing the offense and was introducing more pick and roll, um, where he's a lot more comfortable playing off steph. The biggest my biggest concern, one of my biggest concerns for Wiseman was not, was not necessarily whether or not he's going to be a good player, because I do believe he's going to be a good player. It was that I'm just not, I was not convinced that he is a great fit for the warrior system, particularly because I don't know how well he can play off Steph because Steph historically has been at his best when he has big men who can pass and see the floor and do those dribble handoffs. And Wiseman is not a passing big. He never has been. Um, and I'm not sure that's something you suddenly develop. Um, so that was, that was a concern. And I think uh, without him on the floor, they've been able to put the ball in the hands of bigs who, who see the floor better before Juan Descano Anderson got injured with the concussion. You know, he would, the ball was in his hands a lot, obviously Draymond um, and you know Kavan is actually a, a low key, pretty good passer, especially in dribble, dribble mm-hmm. handoff situations. So, um, there was a, a much more of a comfort level there. Um, but you know, what matters, regardless of how well the Warriors finish this season, if, if they make the playoffs, and you know, if they keep this up, they, they should have a decent chance of making the playoffs. But the bigger, the most important question to me still is what is Wiseman's future? You know, how how quickly can he recover from this meniscal tear in his right knee? And can he be a factor next season? Now, it was a little bit of a worst case scenario in terms of the injury. Um, you know, it comes out that it's a meniscus and a meniscus tear, there's a wide range on recovery timetables for meniscus tears. If it's, if it's just a, a minor meniscus tear where all it requires is a quick little uh, trimming, um, then you're looking at four to six week recovery. Um, if it's a full on repair, uh, it can be up upwards of six months. Um, um, unfortunately, it's looking like it's the latter situation for Wiseman. Um, he's looking at a, at least a six month timetable. I talked to uh, I talked to an expert yesterday, a surgeon yesterday, about the injury and the repair, and he said that. Uh, you know, there should, there's no guarantees that he'll be able to start next season that he'll be able to open next season. Um, You know, he might miss the next, the first couple months of next season before he can even return to basketball activities. He he compared it to an ACL, which in terms of the severity of this meniscal tear, he compared it to to an ACL, which is super concerning. Uh, You know, he did say that, you know, the the recover, it's it once he is recovered and fully healed that he should be able to get back to normal but you can never predict how the body heals and some people especially big men the body just doesn't heal properly you know so it's not like an Achilles where with an Achilles you're you're almost definitely gonna lose some level of explosiveness just because your quad atrophies uh, while during the recovery process that's not the concern with a meniscal there you're not there's not like a, a lack of explosiveness or anything that happens yeah. it's just more about whether or not your body actually heals if that makes sense so um you know you've, you've seen big men who who have like uh you know an injury earlier in their career and then it they it just starts a downward spiral you know greg oden being the first name that comes to mind as a former Blazers fan uh you yeah. know and then um, you know, even, even someone who's not a big, like Dwayne Wade, he had a meniscal uh, injury. I believe he got it removed, which was probably the wrong call. And then it ended up causing knee problems for him the rest of his career. Um, so my point being, I don't think that it's realistic to expect Wiseman to be a real factor in a positive sense next season. I I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, he's missing the entire off season pretty much and best case scenario he comes back to basketball activities in September um, has about a month before tr- maybe a few weeks before training camp. Um, and then, you know, tries to ease in and, and the, the specialist told me like, it's not realistic to expect him to have a full workload, you know, anytime soon. Uh, once he re- recovers, you know, like they, they they might need to have him on a
1: minutes limit all of next season. Well, Well then then it becomes a question of not only him getting back, but let's say if Craig comes back and is pretty strong early on and, and they they're a good team next year. A really good team improved better than this year with a chance of play a chance of a top seed, a high seed. And you drop this guy back in a month into the a month into the season or whatever it could be a real setback for the team. You know, they could lose another year of, of Steph's window and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm going to – I'm writing something today, and I'm going to get into that is, okay, the Warriors have to face reality here with Wiseman. It is a worst-case scenario um, in, in some respects. And so, you know, the, the calculus on him had always been get him – you know let him deal with whatever his his learning curve is going to be his rookie year but hopefully by the end of his rookie season he's he's showing that he can be close to a dominant force by his his second season and that's not the case you know yeah. you, you can't i mean maybe that would have been the case if he'd had a healthy 19 games you know the 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 entire narrative around him could be different if he finished the season healthy because yeah. like i said he was starting to show strides if he had that breakthrough he was looking for and and finished strong you know we're, we're having a completely different discussion now but now he's staring down a, a potentially ser- career altering injury and in rehab um that i think is going to set him back all of next season um and you know, it, it puts the Warriors, in my opinion, in an impossible spot because um, they basically need Wiseman to be a serious factor for them to have any chance to contend for anything. Um, and if they decide that he's not a good fit going forward, then at, at least try to get some a good amount of value for him, maybe parlay him to, him and someone else into like an all-star caliber player. But who who's going to want to trade for a young big who was super up and down in his rookie season who is coming off a serious injury.
1: Who might never be what he was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With that, like, really- I just think his his market value is at an all time low right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. Cause they just you know, the clock is ticking. They can't throw they can't throw away next season. No. no. Steph's Steph's doing great things at thirty three and, and, and Clay's doing well and and Draymond's having a good season at his age, but yeah, these guys are getting older.
0: And that's that's been as great as Steph has been, and as fun as it has been to watch Steph's brilliance. That's been kind of the sad undertone to me, is like, yeah, he's doing all this, and they're five hundred. You know, they're vying, they're vying for a, a spot in the playing tournament. I mean, his numbers. There's no way he shouldn't be in the MVP. A serious part of the MVP conversation. But he's not, and it's just because they're not good enough. The team's not good enough. And I personally don't think he should be a serious part of the conversation. And by that I mean like within the you know, among the top three or four guys really? in the conversation. Yeah. No, I mean, look, first of all, I feel like this is the most competitive MVP race we've had in an extremely long time. Um, you look at the candidates, they're all amazing. Uh Nikola Jokic is averaging close to a triple-double, doing crazy things for a good Nuggets team. You have um, Joel Embiid, who's putting up insane numbers for the best team in the East. You have Giannis doing Giannis things. You have Kawhi Leonard doing Kawhi Leonard things. You have uh, Damian Lillard doing his thing. I mean, uh, James Harden. Like All yeah. of these guys' numbers are not that far off from what Steph's doing, at least right. on the right. season. Um, right. And their teams are better.
1: So, What, what about Magic Johnson's tweet that I don't know if he carries any weight at all. Um, uh, but saying Matt, saying Steph should be the MVP. I think he said because he's the number one, number two, and number three option on his team. Nobody else has that. that um, I understand the
0: argument. I mean, if you're, if you're just, if you're just talking about value to his team, I, 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 it's hard to find someone who means more to his team than Steph. I mean, they're well above 500 with him this season and they're one in seven without him. Um, the plus minus is insane without him, um, but he—I I, don't—I I, as much as I hear that argument, it, it's beside the point because that's not how voters view the MVP award. Yeah, um, it's just not. I mean, you can just with that all you want, but that's just how it is. The the way most voters view the MVP award, and there isn't like a official set criteria. This is just how people view it. Yeah, they view it as. The, basically, the best player on one of the best teams.
1: Yeah. You know? I, I think We're this would eating. be a good point. We, we, we could do a service for our listeners, Connor. It's just to spell it out right now that Steph, as much as we enjoy watching him, I could speak for myself. I enjoy watching him uh, and marvel at the things he's doing. He's not going to win the MVP this year. He's just not.
0: Best he's case it. scenario, he's like invited to that award ceremony thing they do at the end of the yeah. year. He's like one of the final three. Yeah best case scenario and that'd be a huge feat. Um and I think for even that to happen they need to go they have like 14 games left they need to go like 12 and 2 or something right. crazy yeah. like that and they need staff to continue to put up these insane numbers. I mean his his numbers over the past 11 games have been absolutely historic. Um I mean this guy is 33 years old and he has 11 straight games now with at least 30 points in his past 11 games, he's averaging 40 points on 54.1 percent shooting, 52.9 percent from three-point range, 4.5 assists, and 6.1 rebounds.
1: <laughs> well, that's because the defenses are giving it to him, right? I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, to me, the defense defenses have been almost uh, almost laughable at times how they double and triple him.
0: Yeah, and 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 last night, the 76ers kind of took a little bit different approach and actually were not doubling or tripling them because the doubles and triples were not working. So they yeah. just tried something new. It actually worked decently well through the first three quarters, and then Steph just went off in the fourth, which, you know, when Steph sees that carrot, you know, in terms of like <laughs> a win is within reach and they need a big performance from him to win, you know, he, yeah. the light goes on and he – stuff things i mean it's absolutely incredible um it's a sight to behold and um you know like i said i don't i don't want to be a downer here but i can't help but watch this and just say to myself it'd be so sad if he doesn't win another title like he he's he's done so much and put himself in this position where at 33 years old he's doing things that 27 year olds can't do and he he's done everything in his power to extend his prime to win another title or two and i just i don't i'm not sure i see a path forward where that can happen
1: yeah well I, I, if anything this has recent one uh, well, of the ways he's played all season but recently has just strengthened the resolve of the, the team the front office and bob myers to do whatever they can to maximize stuff you know that's the focus of what can we do the next three to four years to try to get this guy, another ring, get us all another ring is what they're thinking. But, you know, for Steph to just this once in a, once in a generation, once in a lifetime player, everything. Really. Um, yeah. And not get him yeah. another ring would be, <laughs> that'd be sad. Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, I, I've just not seen a clear path. Hopefully, you know, Clay, Clay Thompson's return, Is going to be super helpful once he's healthy. But another huge caveat there, he even said, I might not, I might miss the first couple months of next season. Right. You know, and if let's say hypothetically, they're without Wiseman and without Clay to start next season, they let Ubre go, you know, they're, they're, who do they have around Steph? I mean, you have Andrew Wiggins and Draymond and, a bunch of spare parts basically yeah yeah like it's just not a very good team it's right. just not um and they don't have really any paths to add a, a huge difference maker without trading james wiseman mm-hmm. and or that top three protected pick from minnesota you know right
1: yeah so the draft is looming big
0: yeah i mean they might be in a situation it, it, assuming they are able to get minnesota's pick which given how much bad luck the warriors have that have had recently there's no guarantees that'll happen right. But if they are able to get that top five pick uh from minnesota the fourth or fifth pick you know you might be looking at like starting jonathan kaminga next season you know at the yeah. start of the season just because they don't have a lot of other bodies you know what i'm saying that if they if they took someone like jonathan kaminga or Jalen green
1: um that might that not be bad like, a guy like that could develop and buy yeah. At the end of the season could be really kicking some ass.
0: Yeah. But then we're, then it's kind of a repeat of this season where it's like all about developing and, you yeah. know, player development. <laughs> and you don't want that to be the main conversation. Right. You know, you want the conversation to be winning, you know, because if you're talking about player development, you're not talking about winning. And, uh, you know, I think they're kind of at the, the point where, they should be, they should be beyond that, you know, or at least they just given the timelines of, of Steph and Clay and Draymond. But uh, the good thing is that Steph is so insane that I legitimately think Steph's going to be at a high level for another like five years, which is, insane.
1: but I really think he will be. Well, one thing that points to that is his attitude. I think is that the, even in downtimes this season, he's been, he's been pretty up. He's been pretty fired up. He seems very enthusiastic and engaged and, not discouraged at all by the little bumps and all that stuff. So, Yeah. And just his, his enthusiasm seems at a really high level, which is, I, I think bodes well for the future. We'll have more of my conversation with Scott
0: Osler right after the break. We touched upon it a little bit. We talked about him for a second, Kelly Oubre. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated about his future with this team. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Kelly. So Kelly, you know, came out after the trade deadline last month when he was not traded and he said pretty, pretty flatly, I'm not a bench player. I have, you know, I I'm beyond that point in my career. Um, I'm not uh, a bench, a bench player. Um, and, you know, that was, understandable given everything he's been through in his career to become a starter. Um, and I understand you don't want to take a step back, but you know, he gets injured with that wrist injury, misses five games. And in that time, Kent Vazemore plays great, you know, and, uh, his plus minuses are absolutely insane. Um, and he's, he's doing all the little things to help them win games. Um, and, when Ubrey's cleared to come back yesterday, um, Kerr decides to keep Bazemore in the starting lineup, which judging by what Steve has said, Kelly was uh, understanding and, and 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 a good sport about it, but you can't think that he was happy about it. And you can't think that that helps the Warriors' chances of resigning him this summer.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people think, oh, it's the Warriors and that and- – Kelly Oubre will fall in love with them and won't want to be place else. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. These guys are maybe not as Pollyanna as we would like them to be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he's I, – I don't necessarily think it was likely that he was going to come back next season anyway. But given the fact that um, – given the fact that Kerr made that decision, I question if even the Warriors are actually going to try to bring him back next season, you know, Um, you know, I don't know what Kelly's going to warrant in free agency. If it's in the 15 million range, um, I wonder if the Warriors think he's worth it because he's, his plus minus is actually really bad this season. Um, The Warriors have actually been better with him off the floor. I don't think he's as good of a defender as people like to say. I think he's still in the wrong place uh, on the floor a lot of the time. Um, and then his offense, he's kind of streaky, uh, and he, he often kind of isn't great at, at, at getting in the flow of the, op, finding his points within the flow of the offense. And so I personally, am just not convinced he's an awesome fit, um, for this team. And, um, you know, you you gotta, you gotta wonder, if, if they even want him back.
1: Yeah. What are they going to do then?
0: Well, that's the thing is like the, the main, the main reason to bring him back would be that he is the only high quality player that they can realistically sign in free agency, just because of how the salary cap works and what, how the CBA works, you know, they can go deeper in the luxury tax to, to re-sign him, but they couldn't, uh, they that they couldn't just that money isn't transferable they can't just go use that same amount of money to go sign another free agent from another team
1: yeah uh, it's only to re-sign a player so well, uh, what do you think what do you think he is on the pardon me on the learning curve you know we know early in the season he was kind of lost in the offense and, and just not really fitting in and then gradually he got better and better do you think he's still on that upward uh, learning curve where he's he's adjusting and adapting the system better um you know it it seemed like he was he was turning
0: in a in in a positive direction when he got injured and then uh now he's you know and he he had i forgot i have to check the box score but it felt like he had a decent game uh last night against the 76ers um coming off the bench and you know he's a pro i'm sure he's he understands that handling this "Quote unquote, emotion poorly is not going to help his 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 chances going forward. But um, and he did, you know, he did play more minutes than than Bazemore. Um, and Bazemore actually had his like first bad game in a long time. Bazemore was yeah, was five with two points. Maybe the Warriors decide to change course and 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 put him back in the starting lineup next game. But I think that there's enough of a sample size to believe that Bazemore is a better fit alongside kavan and Steph and the guys in that starting lineup. I just think yeah. he has a better understanding of the system. He has a better understanding of how to play off the ball. Um And I think it's funny, you know, people – a lot of people judge NBA players by how many points they average. But, you know, Draymond is a multi-time all-star and probably a future Hall of Famer for a reason. It's because – he knows how to win games because he does the little things that serve winning. And that's incredibly important. And someone like Kit Bazemore, even though I know some fans have been down on him at times this season, he's a winning player. Like he, you look at what he did in Atlanta, you know, he was a key player of a very good Atlanta team. And that team didn't even have like, they had some all-stars, but they didn't have, you know, a transcendent talent like Steph on those teams. Um, And he was doing the little things to help them win games it was able to parlay that into a huge contract and i thought uh you know i think that he's got incredible synergy with steph who's a close personal friend of his and um i think there's so much value in that and so um i don't think that uber is in the cards but that being said like just from a just from a financial standpoint and and from a standpoint of the fact that you don't have a lot of other paths to find or add talent like wouldn't wouldn't even though he's not a perfect fit wouldn't it almost be worth paying him 15 million dollars next season just so he can like plug the hole while clay's coming back and then you know fill some
1: holes in the roster you know if that's the key They, they have to have a guy to do that they're going to they're going to have injuries and Clay's gonna take a while so they got to have a guy to do that um, and, and it becomes a question now if you were Steph would you want him back what do you think uh no and to that, be honest that, i wouldn't um that's got to have that's got to carry some weight because they got to consider that
0: right i mean i don't think that if they went to Steph and asked do you want Kelly back that he well, would go I, no. I don't know if they're
1: going to but
0: I don't I don't think he would say no. They do consult with Steph about major roster decisions. I mean, he's he's the he's the system, right? He's the franchise. So they they do consult with him about these things. Um, but I I'm not I, I don't know. I'm just I I'm I'm not I'm not sure that he's worth it. Um, but I'd almost rather like hypothetically, if you, if you can get that top five pick from Minnesota and I say top five, because if they are able to use that top three protected pick this summer, then they'll be drafting probably fourth or fifth um, in that draft. And so maybe sixth, because I believe Minnesota doesn't have the worst record in the league anymore. Um, But, you know, if they're able to to take like a Jalen green or, or a Kaminga, like, would you, would, wouldn't you almost rather give those guys extended minutes rather than having Ubre, who's probably not a long term piece for you, taking away yeah. those minutes? Yeah. I and mean, this entire conversation might be moot because I don't think Ubre is probably going to want to come back. You know, I'm sure there's part of him that's like, F you guys, like, I was playing well for you. I overcame that slow start. I'm doing everything you asked me to do, I'm putting up numbers and then I'm out, I miss a few games, and I lose my job? Like, what the hell, dude? To a guy who's, like, on a minimum contract?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sure that that's his thought process right now, and I don't blame him for thinking that, but, you know, the Warriors were 4-1 and without him for a reason.
1: So, How soon do you think we'll have an indication? Do you think his agent has already talked to Bob?
0: I know that they've had – cursory conversations about Oubre's future I don't I don't know how how in-depth that's gone um I think that Bob tends to have a pretty good feel on this kind of th- stuff like I think Bob knew long before Kevin Durant left in free agency that Kevin Durant was leaving in free agency
1: yeah
0: right my, my guess is that Bob probably has a sense that Uuber is not coming back and people might hear that and say well then why would he keep him why didn't he trade him he didn't get, they didn't get any real offers for Uber, right. any good offers for Oubre. Um, my understanding is that the best offer they got was Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets and Spencer Dinwiddie's a good player. I actually like Spencer. I think he's a, I think he would be a good fit in the system, but he's out with an ACL, the rest of torn ACL, the rest of the season. And he's got a player option on next season. And might might you know, conceivably wouldn't play for the Warriors ever. So why trade, a player that could potentially help you make the playoffs this season for someone that might not ever play for you. Right. Like that was my understanding of their best offer. And that that also makes me wonder what, what really Kelly Lebray's market value is. Maybe we're maybe we're overestimating his market value. Maybe he's not gonna get close to 15 mil, 15, 20 mil, which has been what's been discussed out there. You know. Um, I so think there, they, I think they... there are some questions about. His makeup, I think that you know he didn't necessarily have the greatest reputation at times in Washington and in in Phoenix, and I, I think that when you have question marks about that, and I look, I haven't heard anything negative about him with the Warriors, but I think when when there's questions about that kind of stuff throughout the league, it can really
1: hurt your market value. I'm glad I'm not general manager.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the last question that I wanted to get into here is just what, what do you think are the chances of the Warriors making the playoffs and how much should that honestly matter at this point, especially with Wiseman out for the season? Um, you know, with, with 14 games left, the Warriors are 29, 29, nine, they're ninth in the Western conference, uh, standings three and three and a half games up on 11th place. New Orleans, which is important because the 7th, the 8th, ninth, and 10th teams in the league uh, are in, the, in each conference play in the play-in tournament. So what the Warriors really care about is is making that, uh, is making that play-in tournament being among the top 10 teams. They, they still have a chance potentially to get, you know, 7th or 8th, which would make it a little bit easier path in that play-in tournament. Um, it's also not completely out of the realm of possibility that they could somehow sneak up and, and snag the sixth spot from Portland and Portland's uh four games ahead of them right now. That's probably unlikely. Uh, I think best case scenario looking at like seventh seed. Um which you know I think regardless of whether or not they're the tenth seed or the seventh seed, I think they have a decent chance of of winning the plan tournament and getting that seventh or eighth seed just because of this guy named Steph Curry and he tends yeah. to be – Steph and Draymond tend to be at their best in high-stakes environments. So, But how much do you think this really matters? Like, do you – how much – at the end of the day, to me, the, the biggest – the biggest carrot, the biggest reason they should be trying to get a playoff spot is to is to give someone like James Wiseman that experience, and he's not going to give that experience. So, like, you know, I don't think Steph needs more playoff experience. I don't think Draymond needs more playoff yeah. experience. Um, and then a lot of these other guys might not like, even be on the team next season so yeah. uh,
1: well I, you know I, I'm, I'm sure the fans are rooting for it it, it would be a week maybe out, outside two weeks of excitement you know, hey we're in the playoffs woo and you know it's fun and it's exciting but they're not going to get to the conference finals or anything like that they, they play the best team they play 76ers even and they, they beat the 76ers but over a, over a seven-game series, I don't think that's really sustainable against a team like that. And so, basically, you're talking about trading maybe one or two games or one or two weeks of thrills for the future. So, if, if I'm a Warriors fan, I think I'm rooting for them not to get to the playoffs. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, honest, I honestly think that um, when you look at – who's going to be available in this draft lottery, I'd almost I'd almost rather have the lottery pick, you know, potentially two lottery picks. Let's say hypothetically they had like the fifth pick in the draft and they had the 13th or 14th pick in the draft, like a late lottery pick. I think it's possible potentially to package those and move up to the number two pick to get Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Because as much as I like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, I think Jalen Suggs is literally a perfect fit for this team. I think he'd come in next season, be your sixth man, be like a true difference maker right away and have perennial all-star potential. I think he's that player. And he's going to be drafted either second or third. It's going to be Cade Cunningham at number one, Jalen Suggs, and Jalen Suggs or uh, Mobley, Evan Mobley out of USC, number two. And then the other one of those two going number three and so, you know, the best, the best they can do with that Minnesota pick is fourth. He's not going to be there at four. So right. uh, I would be willing, if I'm the Warriors, to package those two picks and move up. And, you know, you got, you got to think that who's ever drafting number two is going to like Suggs a lot and is going to like Mobley a lot. And so, uh, you know, maybe they're not willing to do that for like a mid-first round pick and, and the number five pick. You know, it's, I mean, we're, we're, we're playing the hypothetical game right now, but these are, these are things the Warriors
1: have to be thinking about. Now, if the Warriors brass is thinking like we are, that it'd be better not to make the playoffs. And how do you go about doing that? You just start sitting guys, but
0: you know, staff develops some, some like weird, obscure injury that isn't real. Um, but no, I, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. And 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 my our colleague Rusty Simmons had an interesting piece yesterday, just looking at the case for and against tanking. And it was a it was a well laid art well laid out argument uh, for tanking. But um, to me, like if you're going to tank, you tank for the worst record in the league, and that's yes. that's already that's already. You know, over and and they're well positioned now to, to make the plan tournament. Like they would have to completely, uh, let, you know, they'd have to completely fall apart down the stretch to fall out of the plan tournament. Given where New Orleans is right now,
1: I so, blame Steph Curry. I, I, you know, if he wasn't kind of playing like, so well, they if Curry wasn't playing so well, it would be it'd been a much easier road for them to tank. You screwed them up.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well. Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. I really enjoyed this discussion as I enjoy all of our discussions. Uh, where can our listeners and readers find your stuff in case they're silly enough to not already be following along?
1: Well, sfchronicle.com or yours and mine, our, our newspaper, and also on Twitter at Scott Osler.
0: Our thanks to Scott Oster for joining me on the podcast. Always love talking warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership
1: at sfchronicle.com.